Chapter Ten of Mary Carey, Frequently Martha. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jan McGillivray. Mary Carey, Frequently Martha by Kate Langley Bosher. Chapter Ten, The Reagan Ball. It is snowing fast and furious today. It's grand to watch it. I love miracles and it's a miracle to see an ugly place turn into a palace of marble and silver with diamond decorations. That's what the asylum is today. I certainly would like to have seen the Reagan Ball. Miss Webb says it was the best show ever given in Yorkburg, and she enjoyed it, being particular fond of freaks. Miss Catherine didn't want to go, but Miss Webb made her. For weeks that Reagan Ball had been talked about, and Yorkburg knew things about it that had never been known about parties before, money not often being mentioned here. Everybody knew what this ball was going to cost, knew the supper was coming from New York, with white waiters and kid gloves, and what Mrs. Reagan and her daughters were going to wear, that their dresses had been made in Europe, and that Mrs. Hamner hadn't been invited and that more money was coming to Yorkburg in the shape of one man than had ever been in it altogether before. If I just could have put myself invisible on a picture frame and looked down on that fleeting show, I would have done it. But not being able to work that miracle, I just heard what was going round, and it was very interesting the things I heard. Miss Webb and Miss Catherine and I think just alike about Mrs. Reagan. I know, for I heard them talking one night just before the ball. But why in the name of heaven should I go if I don't want to, said Miss Catherine, and she put her feet on the fender and lay back in her big rose-covered chair. I don't like her or her family, the English she speaks, or the books she reads. Why, then, should I go to her parties? I'm not going. Oh, yes, you are and Miss Webb put some more coal on the fire and made it blaze. Knowledge of life requires a knowledge of humanity in all its subdivisions. Mrs. Reagan is a new sub. As a curio, she's worth the price. You couldn't keep me from her show. But she's such a snob. When a woman does not know her grandfather's first name on her mother's side, and talks of people not being in her set, Christian charity does not require you to visit her. I agree with Mrs. Rodman. People like that ought to be let alone. But Mrs. Rodman isn't going to let them alone. Not for a minute. The only thing that goes on among them that she doesn't know is what she can't find out. She met me this morning and asked me if I'd heard how many people had gotten here. And when I said no, she made me come in Miss Patty's store and told me all she'd been able to discover. "'There are eighteen guests already,' she said, "'and nearly all have rooms to themselves. "'They tell me it's the fashion now for husbands and wives "'not to see each other until breakfast, "'and not then if the wife wants hers in bed. "'And the way she lifted her chin and eyebrows "'would be dangerous for you to try. "'I tell you it's a reflection on Yorkburg's mode of life,' she went on. For two hundred years people have come and gone in this town, and rooms have never been mentioned. But this is a degenerate age. Degenerate. Scandalous wealth shouldn't be recognized. 
and I don't intend to countenance it myself. But she will, and Miss Webb took up her muff to go. She bought a pair of cream-colored gloves from Miss Patty, and she's going to wear them at that ball. You couldn't keep her away. And she was there, the first one, they say. She had on the dress her grandmother wore when her great-grandfather was minister to something in Europe. And when she sailed around the rooms with the big, high comb in her hair that was her great-great-grandmother's, Miss Webb says she was the best sideshow on the grounds. But if you were to take a gimlet and bore a hole in Mrs. Rodman's head, you couldn't make her believe anybody would smile at her. She was Mrs. General Rodman, born Mason, and the best blood in Virginia was in her veins, also in her father's, as she put on his tombstone. Outside of Virginia she didn't think anybody was really anything. Of course she knew there were other states where things were done that made money, but she just wave her hand if you mentioned them. As for a Yankee, I wouldn't like to put in words what she does think of a Yankee. She lost a husband and two brothers and a father and four nephews and an uncle in the war, and all her money, and her house had to be sold, and her baby died before its father saw it. And of course that makes a difference. It makes a Yankee real personal. But Miss Catherine don't feel that way about Yankees. Each of her brothers married one, and she don't seem to mind. Miss Catherine went to the ball, too. She gave in, after all, and went. I wish you could have seen her when she was dressed and all ready to go. She had on a long, white satin dress, low neck and short sleeves, with little trimming and no jewelry. And she looked so tall and beautiful, and so something I didn't have a name for, that I was afraid, and my heart beat so thick and fast I thought she'd hear. I hated it. Hated that satin dress, and the places where she wore it went away from the asylum. And I sat up in bed, for lying down it was hard to breathe. Presently she turned from the fire where she had been standing, looking in, and came toward me and kissed me good night. In her face was something I had never seen before. Something so quiet and proud that I couldn't sleep for a long time after she went away. It wasn't just the same as the remembrance look I had seen several times before, when she forgot she wasn't by herself. It was prouder than that, and it meant something that didn't get better, just worse. What was it? If it's a man, who is he? He must be living, for it isn't the look that means something is dead. It means something that won't die, but is never, never going to be told. End of chapter 10 Recording by Jan McGillivray